helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Do you have someone in your life who is difficult to get along with? Maybe you've stopped talking to them because of their unpredictable behavior. Maybe they seem to go everything is amazing to everything is awful so quickly you just don't know who you're going to interact with on any given day. If this sounds like someone in your life and you are bewildered and you don't know what to do, I encourage you to stay tuned as we discuss the church and borderline personality disorder because there may be some things in the show that will help you today. If you're joining us for the very first time, let me welcome you. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I am the co-host of the Life Transformation Show. If you want to find out more about this show or more about our counseling services, we encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can always call us toll-free at one 877 5443546 and we'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. If you're joining us as a faithful listener every Monday morning at 9:30, let me also welcome you. I so appreciate you welcoming us into your homes, your cars, your offices each and every week. We also love hearing from you. So if you have any feedback about today's show or any of our past episodes or maybe there's a topic you've been dying for us to discuss that we just haven't talked about yet, Again, go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com or call us at 1-877-544-3546 and pass along your feedback. For those of you who are joining us um, regularly, you will not be surprised who's joining me in studio. With me is my co-host, Michael Hart. He is an award-winning psychotherapist as well as the director of Elam Counseling Services. And he joins me each and every week to delve into these topics. And as I said today, we're going to be talking about the church and borderline personality disorder. But first off, Michael, let me say welcome. I'm so happy that you are here with me and I'm not flying solo. Thank you very much, <laughs> Melissa, for that wonderful introduction. And the way you started the show is just so fantastic. When you started talking about that part where you said, is there someone in your life that it's hard, that you find it hard to get along with? I think most of our listeners are probably going, yes, that's my spouse, right? Mm-hmm. But we're going to make it clear that what we are talking about today is a much more difficult, not just minor getting along, finding it a little hard. We are talking about a personality disorder that is often misunderstood and cause a lot of havoc in our churches, in our families, in relationships. And we want to clarify what exactly is borderline personality disorder today, but even more importantly, what to do. And we, we, we entitled this show The Church and Borderline Personality Disorder because we are going to be giving insights as to how this disorder or people this, this, with this disorder should be uh, treated in our churches. Mm-hmm. And we really hope for this show to be a supportive one, as you yes, say. Yes, absolutely. Because we're not here to label anyone or to, you know, to make anyone feel excluded if you have that label. But we find that it's much, it's a much misunderstood uh, disorder, and it is something that we need to know how to deal with if we're really going to help those who who have been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And so, it, I'm glad you started off saying that it's a misunderstood. Disorder, And I think something you've brought up um, to me in the past is even how it's the name itself of this disorder can right. lead to further misunderstanding the the borderline personality disorder 
label right. or BPD right. for short. Right. And I think that the, the term borderline could make it seem as if it's not really quite a disorder yet. It's like, you know, you have precancerous cell that it's not really cancerous yet. But the term borderline doesn't mean that it's not a disorder. It, 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 the term was first used in 1938 in the state where they were trying to find how to classify people who exhibited certain symptoms. And they were seeing these symptoms and they they didn't know whether or not they should have classified, they should classify this disorder as a psychotic disorder or as a neurosis disorder. And so, you know, psychotic disorder would be things like schizophrenia and bipolar. And the neuroses would be things like compulsive disorders and phobias. And they, they weren't quite clear where where to place it. So it falls somewhere in between those, those two types of disorder. And so the term borderline was first used. But there are many uh, movements on the way to say that that term borderline personality disorder doesn't really capture uh, what the disorder is and can lead to misunderstanding, uh, such as people thinking that it's not really a disorder or uh, it doesn't capture, the name doesn't capture what the disorder really entails. And so I'm wondering to that, and if you can begin to describe for us, off the top, I spoke in some very loose generalities in terms of how you may interact with someone and some feelings you may have. And as you said, some people may have jokingly thought off the top, oh, it's my spouse. They're the person I'm having challenges getting along with. But there's more specific symptoms for someone who may be experiencing a borderline personality yes. disorder that I'm wondering if you can begin to describe. Because I, I really hope for myself, as well as our listeners, we can get a picture of what this could look like when someone's experiencing this illness. Yes, one of the hallmarks of borderline personality disorder, BPD, as it is commonly called, is this intense emotional reaction to things, this intense reaction. So for most of us, we have emotions that, yes, we can get angry over something, but within a matter of minutes, we are back to our normal state and we get over it, we forgive and we move on. But uh, people with borderline personality disorder, their reaction is so intense that this can, this reaction can not only last for days, but it might lead to uh, other types of behavior in which they cut the person out of their lives or they, they don't talk to this person for extended periods of time. So it's not uncommon for for people with borderline personality disorder to have members of their families, even close members of their families, such as a brother or sister or even parents that they haven't talked to for years. And this this is the second uh, 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 a symptom of borderline personality disorder, that the disorder, people with this disorder, tend to see people in absolute terms. So you're either all good to them or all bad. So uh, a simple misunderstanding that 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 led to this intense emotional reaction can move you from the state where you were all good in their eyes and you know you were the best friend that they ever had one day or or your church was the best church that they ever attended one day to now you're like the, the the church from hell or you're the worst friend that they could ever have and this is this is by psychologists psychologists have said that this is a a, a self defense mechanism that they use where that is called splitting where they're not able 
to see people rationally like oh, uh, most adults can see people that you're, you have good qualities but you also have some flaws. They're not able to rationalize things in that way. So they go to this extreme as a way of classifying to enable themselves to classify people. So you're you're all good or you're all bad and they will make decisions to include you or exclude you based on that classification. I, I just think having no gray how hard that would be to be in that relationship. I'm think, thinking of that person who went from being the best friend ever yes. to suddenly just cut off how how confusing that would be yes, and how yes. difficult that would feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some people have had their hearts broken in romantic relationships with people with borderline personality disorder because they they they, they are, were elevated to such a, a ex, to such heights that they 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 were esteemed as being the best person that this person ever dated. They saw you in glowing terms. They they saw their partners in glowing terms, and they had they they told everyone about. How Oh, they have found this perfect person that is their their I guess forget the name that they call their soulmates, right? This person is their soulmate and they're talking in glowing terms and then the next day something happens and now they are telling you that this same person is like the boyfriend from hell and you're wondering, is this the same person that they were talking about the day before? So some people have had their hearts broken because they go from being esteemed to being the devil in very short order and and, and, and sometimes people with borderline personality disorder will end the relationship just like that because of something uh, simple that happened. What other symptoms do you see with this illness? Well, just as we have said, this pattern leads to uh, very, very chaotic uh, personal relationships. So it's not uncommon to find people with borderline personality disorder to have a long list of people that they have cut out of their lives. So when it comes to church and borderline personality disorder, uh, many of these people, they have been to many different churches. And when they start attending your church, they will tell you in the beginning that this is the best church that they have ever been to. You're the most loving set of people that, that I have ever met. But be, be aware that if they have this long list of churches that they have found fault with and pastors that they have labeled as all bad and that they have cut out of their lives, then sooner or later something will happen within your congregation that will make you uh, that that will make them see you in that light as well. So as you're going through the, some of these symptoms, Michael and describing them and talking about this pattern of behavior, what comes to mind for me is how easy or not is it to actually get a diagnosis for a disorder like this? How many people actually are aware they have the disorder? And when working with professionals, how long can it take to actually get this diagnosis so you kind of know what you're working with? Yes, yes. It, it's one of the, the harder uh, disorder to diagnose. Uh, statistics in Canada says maybe about one to two percent of the the population might be might be might have uh, this disorder. Where in the states the statistics goes anywhere from one point six to five point nine percent of the congregation. So it's not easily labeled, and the reason for that is that many of these people with 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 borderline personality disorder also present with other symptoms. So they might also have 
have extreme anxiety or they might might be diagnosed with depression, but uh, it's possible that they also have borderline personality disorder. These are the things that we have talked about is happening in their lives. And so many of these people with who have borderline personality disorder, another hallmark is that they, they, they have this tendency to feel rejected or abandoned, and they have extreme reaction to these feelings of abandonment or rejection. So something like a, a simple correction of a mistake or in the church circle, if they do something that does not meet up to the values of the church and they're criticized by it, even if they are, are criticized in a loving way, that might be the start of, of a fallout with this person in your congregation because they are taking this stuff to mean abandonment or rejection and they're going to react to it very strongly. So there is no known medication as such to deal with, uh, Person, this personality, uh, borderline personality disorder, but because of these underlying symptoms or other disorders that might also that might also be common, those other disorders can be treated, such as depression or anxiety, and it can lead to uh, a better quality in the life of the person or less intense emotional reaction in some cases. So, in our next show, I think we're going to go into a bit more about the treatment modalities. Right. But mm-hmm. just in hearing you say that, I think fundamentally, if people People are either feeling this themselves or seeing this others. It's important to seek that professional advice and try to parse out what's feeding into what and what concurrent issues are going on. Because it's, as you say, hard to hard to figure out. Yes, it is. So if you're joining us and for the pardon me, if you have just joined us, uh, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. We are talking about the church and borderline personality disorder. If you've missed the first half of this show, we encourage you to listen to it on our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can give us a call for a copy of today's show at one 544 So, Michael, you were beginning to describe a little bit about how people experiencing borderline personality can manifest their symptoms in the church setting. And I'm wondering if you can go into that a little bit more about what this could look like. And then more importantly, how is we how can we as church members begin to support people in our congregations experiencing this illness? So it's first of all important to realize that these people are not demon possessed. (laughs) A lot Mm -hmm. lot of times people will say, well, if they're causing this much much havoc in our churches, then they must be demon possessed. But uh, these people are not demon possessed. These people are people who have Suffered, maybe suffered trauma through abandonment or neglect in their life in their early childhood or other forms of other forms of 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 abuse or forms of abuse in their childhood. So they're acting out of a place of emotional hurt. And what they re- what they really want to do is to is to belong. They want to be loved. They want to feel a part of something. But the 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 very uh, the the wound that they carry from their past is making them recreate circumstances that make them feel rejected over and over again. And so I 
I, I often call this this self-fulfilling prophecy. An example of that would be someone with borderline personality disorder who will say, going into a church, that churches always reject me. I don't find that the church is a safe place. And I'm coming to your church. I want to believe in the church again. I want to worship God again in a congregation. But just promise me that you're not going to abandon me like my last pastor did. And you may say, well, you'll never be abandoned here. You're welcome here. We are, we we love you, and we are going to we are going to make sure that you feel loved here. But then, once you start entering into a relationship with this person, you might find that they start doing things uh, to sabotage your relationship with them. And some of these uh, things that happen, some of what happen in churches, is that. Because of this desire to feel loved and wanted, they are, they are, they are making demands upon your time that you are not able to meet. So one pastor talked about how with this one lady, she was taking up like two hours of his day in telephone calls just to, you know, just to, to, to be there for her alone. She's just one member of the congregation and she's taking up a quarter of his day just to talk to her. And then she would try to call again in the evening for for you know for more help and when he would not give her that kind of attention then he became labeled as not being pastoral, as not being loving enough. And how can you say that you're a man of God when you don't care about me? And then the same person who wants so much to be loved starts spreading rumors around the church about the pastor is not a good pastor, he's not loving enough, or people in this church, they only care about themselves, or they have little cliques and I'm not included, I feel abandoned. So these kind of behaviors then has to be Disciplined, which leads to this self-fulfilling prophecy. Because once the church starts to put this discipline in place, the person will go, oh, I know it. I know that you would have abandoned me just as I thought in the first place. But it's important to understand that these people are not coming from a malicious place. They desperately want to feel loved and they, they want to feel as if they belong and they want attention. But the way that they go about it creates a lot of discord and unhappiness happiness in their circles. So then how do we go about supporting people with with borderline personality disorder in our congregation? Because that scenario you you described there, Michael, the layers of complexity embedded in that, the good intent of the pastor, the good intent of the congregant, but how because of the illness and how it makes you misinterpret things or maybe uh, sabotage yourself, it kind of exploded in the end. Yes. So how do we go about doing this? Because these can be really awesome people in our congregation who have a lot of value and stuff to offer to us as church members. But how do we support them when they're in the midst of their illness and not make things worse right. for them or for us either? Well, the, the first thing to do as a pastor, as a leader in a congregation, is not to start uh, by putting in place uh, ways of treating this person that cannot be maintained over the long haul. But I know that sometimes it, that's easier said than done because in, in, in church circles we come to thing with we come to helping people with a loving heart and it's not uncommon to give people a lot of attention in the beginning. But it's important if you're going to protect yourself as a pastor that you do not start off the relationship with this person by giving an inordinate 
amount of your time and attention to this one person. Get other people involved because the same thing that you do to make that person feel loved and wanted in the beginning is the same thing that you're going to have to continue to do to make that person a happy member of your congregation. So it's important to set boundaries from the beginning to say, you know what, I really find what you're saying very important to me and I want to make sure that you get the love and attention that you need, but I cannot speak to you for more than 15 minutes because I have a, you know, I have other things that I have to attend to, but let me put you on to someone who is going to be there for you, someone. And so it's important that you connect these people with other members of the congregation who can, who can, who they can feel comfortable with and who can give them some of the love and attention that they need. And remember to us, I think the second thing for us to remember is that when we hear of stories of how these people are maltreated or mistreated by other pastors or how they were abandoned by other pastors, it's important for us not to pass judgment or make any comment because a lot of times we don't know the full story. So it's best for us to listen. And if we see a list of abandonment, be, be very wary of that, because this could be a sign that, that you know, there is something in the personality of this person that is causing conflict in, a, in, in, in many different areas of their life and in many different uh, relationships with churches. And so in terms of someone, again, who may be not used to setting those boundaries, If the person pushes back again and says, but 15 minutes isn't good enough for me, or I need more, and they try to push that boundary, because sometimes I find setting the boundary is easy, easier, but maintaining that boundary can be tricky over time. How do you set yourself up to be able to maintain that boundary, whether you're the pastor, you're that small group leader? whether it be for someone with borderline personality disorder or anyone. Because this is, as you're describing that, I'm like, that's just good habits for dealing with people in general. Yes. But as people, we push our boundaries. So if someone's pushing and saying, well, that's not good enough for me, how do we stay strong in our boundary? Yes, that's such a very good question, Melissa, because I think in the churches, these people, they they are pampered and they get a lot they get away with a lot more and they manipulate their manipulation work a lot more than it would in other settings because we believe that we need to love and we need to care and we need to be Christ-like in our approach to others but we need to remember that Jesus didn't burn himself out looking after people the bible tells us that Jesus would often withdraw from the crowd these are people who had need to be delivered, to be healed, to be exercised uh, of, of demons. And Jesus would get away from these people to get out into the mountains to pray and to have his alone time. So it's important to realize that you can't be everything to this person. And if you, if you start by pretending that you can, you're going to, you're going to get on this person's bad, bad side in a very, in very quick time. So it's 
it's important to give the little bit of time that you have, connect the person to the other, to, to, to other people. Uh, but even more importantly, that you do this in a loving way. And be careful about manipulation because one of these things that these people will do, especially in small congregations, is that they will, they will give very large gifts, very large amounts. And, uh, you have to be careful about that because sometimes these large gifts are given as a way of maintaining control over you. And when you take these large gifts and then in their mind you're not giving back the love and attention that they need, you become, you become, uh, you're seen as the devil very, very quickly. So as you said there, connecting people, one right. of the things that came to mind for me was how do we connect people who maybe haven't sought help or treatment yet right. to the help or treatment they may need? Because one of the things I know we're not trying to do in this show is get people a diagnostic manual in their hands that now they're going to go to those people in their small groups who may be a little challenging and saying, I know what you have. Right. I know. I listened to a show. But at the same time, if they do have people in their life who may be having some of these symptoms, how can they encourage them to get help, to get it explored, whatever thing they may be experiencing, whether it is borderline personality disorder or something else? What is a good strategy for people to be able to connect people with psychological help in a kind, thoughtful, empathetic, compassionate way? Because sometimes if we go in with the big stick, it's not going to work. Right. And I think it it comes back to realizing that you cannot be the savior for everyone. Realizing, secondly, when it's more than you are capable of dealing with. So if you have uh, this person who has come along and you have done your best effort to help, you have connected them with other people, and you are you are being told, well, there's nothing that we do for this person ever seems to be enough. They're causing discord in our small group as well. Then I think that's a sign that this person might also need professional help. But I think uh, it's important uh, to make sure, I've just written a, an article about this that's on our Facebook page, so if you want to read more about this this disorder, you can. But one of the things that I talked about in, in this article is to make sure that you are very clear on what the boundaries are and don't give in don't 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 bend those boundaries just to uh to cater to the need of this one person because as i said before if you do that you have to keep doing it so you lovingly say this is this is what we can do for you this is the time we have that we can allocate to your situation here are additional resources if you need help and part of those additional resources might be professional help where you can lovingly say to the person we have tried our best to help and you know we 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 are very happy to do that for you but we think that you might need additional help and and we are recommending you to this person who is a trained professional who might be able to also help you don't be surprised though if when you make this this uh kind of statement that it comes back uh it it comes across as an attack to this person and they lash out at you but that's when you don't get into any any kind of uh 
animosity with this person. You don't react in anger. You just lovingly say, say what you have to say with a smile on your face and follow through. Because another thing that we should avoid, avoid is to make sure that we don't use the excuse of, of this person having a mental illness to let them get away with bad behavior in our congregation. Because doing so will lead to sometimes the splitting of your congregation or other people being misfed information from this person that creates a lot of discord and dissent in your congregation. So these people need to have proper boundaries. There should be no excuse for bad behavior. The boundaries should be very clear and the consequences should be very clear. But let me reiterate that the main point that we should keep in mind when we are dealing with these people is that we need to love them because they're not acting out of a malicious heart. They're acting out of a wounded heart. Thank you so much, Michael. I learned so much from you today on this topic and hopefully our listeners did as well. Thank you very much, Melissa. Thank you for your wonderful questions. And uh, I would like to do a second part in this show where we're going to look a little bit more into treatment options that are available and what kind of techniques uh, are used in professional circles to help uh, help people who are dealing with borderline personality disorder. And again, let me say this, that this show is not meant to label anyone. It's not meant to make you uh, cut off your relationship with anyone. It's meant to help you to love people in a Christ-like way. So if you need to more information on this or any other topic that we have covered, please give us a call at one 877 544-3546 or go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com Until next time, this is your host Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services and Melissa Waggett praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. <laughs>